to Sex in Iceland with me, your host, Sigurdur, an Icelandic sexologist. So this has to turn into the driving podcast again. I just can't seem to manage to find time to record unless I'm like driving somewhere. So now we're driving in my car with my one-year-old in the back. My eyes are fastened firmly on the um, steering wheel as I'm doing this in like a cordless? No, it's not a cordless thing. Anyway, it's a hands-free thing. So I'm recording into my phone and driving into work. So I just noticed when I picked up my phone that it broke again. This is the third time this year. Can I, did I, did I say that correctly? Yes, I did. This year that I have broken my freaking phone and I have gotten it fixed twice and it is insanely expensive and this is driving me up the wall. I mean, what is it up with these screens? They keep breaking. Everybody I know has at some point broken their screen. Like, what What do we need to keep them in? I'm so, I'm so done with cell phones. I, I truly am. I'm so, like, um, ready to almost be off the grid but you know you can't really in today's society be off the grid because people have to reach you at all hours at all times be it school or kindergarten or whatever like you have to always be reachable I guess and I mean I love the technology that the phone offers me so I can almost work anywhere at any given time you know that has a a con side as well to it as well as an upside to it But so anyways, enough of me ranting. So I'm back in Iceland. Um, the conference, or the uh, my lecture at the conference with Sex and Samfun um, went smashingly. Um, I may have raised a few eyebrows. Oh, actually one Norwegian woman told me she only understood about 60% of what I said. I was like, oh, that's probably my accent and how fast I speak. And I noticed that I'm not articulate enough. So. I might like mutter something under my breath and it's not quite understandable. So that's something I need to work on and um, and probably being more articulate. That is also an issue of mine. But that can also be just, you know, one of those lost in translation moments where I'm thinking something in Icelandic, trying to reverse it quite quickly um, because the I'm, I'm often at a quite like a quick phase or like I like to speak quite fast. That's just how I've always been. And that translates into, into, oh my God, now I'm like stuttering. What is happening to me? That translates into English as well. Oh, I need to do the King's Speech. like that movie. Maybe I need to do that all, just like all the time. Being practicing my articulation of what I wanted to say. So another note, yeah, for today's... um, For today, I am doing two interviews with the National Radio of Iceland. Um, uh, first interview is called uh, is with a show that has like a famous actor here in Iceland and um, a radio person, like a radio personality, I guess you can say. Um, she's been on the radio for eons. Um, 
we will be talking. It's called like the human factor, I guess. And there we will be talking about a lecture I'm giving next week for... No, it's Friday. I'm giving it this Friday, so it's this week. Um, a lecture that I will be giving to young parents about sex during pregnancy and sex after childbirth. And what many people might think, they're like, oh, is it going to be all about, you know, lube and if you can be naked in front of the kids? Well, some of it is going to be about lube, obviously, but and some of it will be about nakedness because uh, this is a question that I get quite often. So I had a lecture like uh, last week where I was actually asked this by an Icelandic person whose partner is a Muslim and she was asking about um, nudity because she was saying, you know, what is acceptable, what is not, what if my child wants to touch me, what is acceptable there and what is not. And I, um, so then it's actually great to have written a book because I was like, I have written a book about this. You can find this all in my book. But we were talking about boundaries and setting boundaries without inflicting shame. So it's just like being mindful of, you know, this is my space and you need to respect that and this is your space and I need to ask if I can touch you and and wait for your permission and just set those rules. It's really important with kids, but just doing it like in a calm and loving manner. So everybody, and you may not need to say this more than once, and that's okay. I mean, you may need to reiterate this quite a few times. Just remember, um, these are mommy's breasts, and mommy doesn't like you touching them. Breasts are, you know, you can use the, what some people use with private places. You, you can say that if you want to. Um, but kids are quite fond of breasts, and I don't believe that that's something in particular that you need to be worried about up to a certain age um, but if they do not respect your boundaries that's something you should be worried about so if you if you say you have a three-year-old that really wants to touch your breasts and you're at home and if you're fine with it you know you can let them do that but if you were say at a restaurant or some public place that might be construed as inappropriate so you would have to tell them like it's okay to do it when we're going to sleep then you can touch mommy's breasts once or twice but now we're out among people and we don't do it here there are rules regarding each and every behavior and children learn these rules they know where and when to go to the bathroom and they learn all these appropriate and inappropriate behaviors but we have to teach them and we have to tell them and also i mean you might not want your kids touching your breast so then you might have to say just like oh mommy doesn't like that these are mommy's breasts and mommy wants to keep them for herself um if the kid's like why why and you just say because it's mine and i don't like you touching them and then you might have to explain to them if there's something that they dislike and how that needs to be respected as well so it's just using everyday examples and like i said this is something that you might need to discuss quite a few times depending on your child but if your child is really adamant and will not stop that's um, something you might want to look into and that's like raising a little bit of a right flag because then you might want to look into okay so are there other instances and situations where my child is not respecting my boundaries so because we might be worried not just about them respecting other people's boundaries but also about them putting up their own boundaries and having them respected so that's one of those things that would raise a, a red flag if they're if they do not respect what you're telling them repeatedly um, or if they get 
quite angry or frustrated because you also might need to go into, especially as the child get older, gets older, you might need to ask them, okay, so why do you want to touch mommy's breasts? What, what does that mean to you? Does it mean you want to sit and have a cuddle? Because we can do that without having to touch my breasts. So you really need to go into the, what does it mean? What does it significa- sig- signify? as they get older okay so that's just one tip um yeah so i have this lecture uh, and i think what we will actually be be going into quite a bit is allowing yourself not to have sex and how you can have a really intimate relationship without having sex and without having the expectations or pressure of having to perform because what we know and this was what i talked quite a bit about um, in my lecture in oslo and as you know this all connects everything connects um women often for for women sex is often a performance it it is a performance not just some sort of oh i've seen it on porn this is how we should perform but it is a performance because we know especially in a heteronormative um heterosexual context we know that many men base their masculinity and their self-esteem and even you know you might say sexual worth on their performance but they base their performance on the performance of their partner or not performance of the but the enjoyment of the partner so they kind of look at you and they're going okay if you enjoy sex i must be performing well and this creates this vicious cycle this weird loophole of well then i must perform for you so you feel good about you but yeah i want to perform well so you feel good but I want to feel good about myself. And it's this weird thing that goes around and around and around and a huge misunderstanding. So what I usually tell these, and, you know, to be quite frank, when we have uh, parental mornings, that's what this is called, parental mornings at the library. The libraries here in Iceland are actually quite forward when it comes to having various um, educational lectures and, and, like, meetings and talks, which is a cool place. So you can have, like, a meeting place in the library. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Yeah, usually who shows up at these these meetings or these lectures are women. Mothers. Yep. Like, I have never had a dad show up at one of these. Not to say that they don't want to. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just wondering, you know, don't they feel that they have space to do so? Don't they feel that this is relevant? Or, you know, I don't know. Or, you know, what we're seeing also in Iceland is there are not as many dads on parental leave. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like on Friday. But what I talk a lot about is this intimacy intimacy issue and how you feel about your body, but also how you feel about you. And you can be so oversaturated by touch. And you ha- might have your child in your arms most of the day, especially if your partner is like out working. And then you're carrying your child around, you're feeding them, you're putting them to sleep, your mind is on the baby. And it's hard to focus. And what we really need for sex, at least to be satisfying, is to be able to free the mind from something that is not sexy. Uh, your child, you know. So it needs to be free from the child or the 
are the thoughts of the child. And if your thoughts are there because you, you are preoccupied with your child, that's understandable, you know, you had a new baby. Then it's you need to allow yourself that space and be able, and your partner, partner needs to allow that space within the relationship for you to tell them, you know what, actually, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I'm just, that's not where I'm at at this moment. I really want to, I really enjoy being a new mother or I really struggle with being a new mother. And that's all consuming to me right now. And it is difficult for many people because often, you know, the nurse or the midwife might say, oh, okay, you can have sex within um, or after five to six weeks. Just allow everything to heal and then you can have sex. And that might be a very short amount of time for a lot of people, five to six weeks. And that might put a lot of pressure on the woman to perform after that said time. She might not be ready in any, you know, not just physical, but mental way. So it's thinking of, you know, what does sex mean to you? So it's like, you know, is it just I want to put it in you and orgasm or, you know, I miss being close to you or you always have the baby and I don't get any attention. And then I'm sorry, I'm going to be quite frank and quite brutal, some might say. But the other partner, the other grown up partner just needs to grow up. You know, it's not about you. It's not about your emotional needs. You need to take care of yourself. You are raising a baby that is quite draining and hard and requires a lot of attention. Not saying you should just let yourself go and just like, oh, I'm not a person anymore. I'm just a parent. There's no me. There's just me as a parent. That's not what I'm saying. You're always an individual. But what I am saying is you have a responsibility towards yourself and towards your relationship to fix yourself and not expect so much from the relationship Esther Perel is talking about this all the time if you haven't if you don't follow her I suggest you do so the woman is amazing everything she says is like truth anyway so here's the thing and here's what we haven't been talking about in the space of relationships is you are responsible for you Okay, so people come on into relationships with all these ideas and thoughts and, and they're like, oh, this is how relationships should be or this is how my partner should make me feel. You make you feel. Nobody else does that. That's all up to you. So if somebody says something to you and you are quite angry or you feel quite offended, that's up to you. That's not necessarily the words that were used, but that's like, okay, why was my reaction in that manner? What did that trigger within me? So it's the same with a new baby. What are your expectations? Because marriage is nothing, a relationship, long-term relationships, they're nothing more or less than just controlling expectations, managing expectations. What did you expect? And sometimes you have to be like lay it all on the table when somebody's like, oh, you know what? We should totally go to that party. We'll just bring the baby. It'll be totally fine. And they'll just fall asleep. And, and then sometimes, and it, and it can't be frustrating and annoying to be that responsible person. But, you know, you have to lay out the expectations. Okay, so you, you expect that you're going to be able to just have fun or what? Mingle? And do you then expect me to just have the baby? And what if the baby cries? What if it won't go to sleep? What if it's too loud? What if I have to leave? Don't you just want to go by yourself? Because that's what often happens when you have kids. You have to split up. And I don't mean that, you know, quite literally. I don't mean as in divorce. I mean, you know, you have to have to like okay you take this kid there I'll take that kid there I'm gonna stay at home now you're gonna go there it just it you know you have to 
manage. That's how you manage. Not everybody can do everything with everyone at the same time. So this is what I will be talking a little bit about. Also, you know, okay, if you miss your partner and your partner misses you, figure out ways, maybe if you're not ready to be sexual, in what kind of manner, like what feels safe and nice to you so that you can have this time together. It might be, you know... Especially if you're breastfeeding, you might not be comfortable being naked or it might, you know, just because the milk can flow all over and you don't want to be soaking wet and you might be sweating a lot. You know, lactating mamas are sweating a lot during the night. Not all of them, but many. Um, And that's why it might not be appealing to you to sleep naked or it might be more appealing to you to sleep naked. And you may need to lay these rules out really basically. Be like, okay, so we're going to lay naked please do not touch my vulva or please don't stroke my bottom or please do stroke my bottom please don't touch me there or please touch me there you just need to lay it out what what feels comfortable to you and what doesn't and you may just need to figure it out also as you go and ask your partner to ask you is this okay do you like this do you want me to do more of this or is this okay and people are like oh god that feels so childish or we're like adults here come on but seriously when you're acclimating to a new um, a new role in life such as uh, being a parent that's quite life changing um, you just you need to learn about another but about one another from like again you need to ask questions and you need to be like okay I've never known you in this role how do, how do you work in this role because you know we have we work differently in different settings and this is just one of those examples so that's what you know i've often talked about also can you guys take showers together just you know and just assert that this is a non-sexual shower you know no sex will be happening just some cuddles or kisses just being naked just being close to one another can you hold hands if you take the pram out for a walk can you take a drive together with a baby in the back and maybe have a little picnic between you can you have long talks can you lay in bed and watch something and have a baby between you like what can you guys manage to do that feels nice and safe because what we've actually found out and i did coin this term intimacy fallacy did so in oslo is that they were always saying that women um, don't orgasm in one instance because they need to be intimate or like feel intimacy with a partner in order to orgasm and i that's what i like to call the intimacy fallacy um because actually when it was researched a little bit deeper the thing is not actually intimacy but we need to feel safe and when do we feel safe you know so if you feel that your partner is pressuring you into having sex and you feel that you mentally and or physically aren't ready then you don't feel safe and how are you supposed to enjoy sex if you don't feel safe and you know sex isn't just a one-way street but I've often told this also. I've often or I've often said this as well. I've said to the women, okay, so if you want to be sexual with your partner, but you do not want any sex for your body, you can still have a sexual time with your partner. You can like offer that person a hand job, like manual stimulation with hands. And you might be kissing. You do not need to undress for this, but you might say to your partner, you know what, I really want to be like sexually intimate, but I don't really want anything for my body, but I just want to have a nice time with you. And I'm not saying that you're supposed to be some sort of service person for your partner or that your partner can all of a sudden go, okay, give me sex, give me sex now. I want you to give me, you know, what 
hand stimulation or oral stimulation or whatever it is. But I'm just saying that this can, we need to break up the form of sex, especially when you have penis vulva. It needs to be more than just the penis going inside. It needs to be more than that. Oh my God, it's so foggy here in Iceland that you actually can't see the huge big um, capital mountain called Esja. It's like super overcast and you know, it's like nine in the morning, but uh, visually it almost feels like it's like 4 p.m. maybe. Town of Vikings, that's what I'm driving into. Hapnafjordur. I'm driving the road from the airport. So for you, for those of you who have visited Iceland, I'm driving through the lava fields. Um, I'm close to the aluminum smelt. Yep, not not exactly a pride of ours. But um, going into the capital, I have to drive through Hafnafjörður, Garðabær and Kópabór. And then I'm into the capital. It's approximately 40 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. So I expect it should be quite lively on Friday when we have this parental morning. It usually is. And it's so fun to like meet all these parents and hear their... their um, they're just stories and how their birth was and how they're feeling and I went to um, last year when I had my when I had a newborn newborn I went to a lecture like this in my local library um, about what is it called Um, postpartum depression yeah postpartum depression and I went to that and the psychologist was you know it was sprung on this particular psychologist for um, just like a, they didn't have a lot of time to prepare or anything but anyways they were there and I was there and I asked a lot of questions they were like uh, well I'm, I'm not sure about that uh, well I don't know if those are helpful thoughts like you just might need to pop in and see us because I was like everybody thinks about harming their child isn't that normal and they were like well to a certain degree you know so I was quite open and frank and the other the other moms that were there they were like oh yeah I've totally had that thought and I'm like I'm crazy what is wrong with you and I'm like it's evolution baby you know it's your brain keeping you alert for all the possible dangers and for reminding yourself okay you are not a bad mother you know these things could happen but you won't let them happen because I am giving you anxiety when you think about it so that you know that you will never do these things or it will not happen because here you go a healthy dose of anxiety when you think about dropping your kid down a staircase don't do it and then you clench them harder you know so it's I think it's evolution and it has a it has a particular role to play you know for us raising these humans oh my little baby boy fell asleep in the back seat that is perfect then mama can go and pick up a nice cup of strong flat white maybe a pano chocolate from my favorite cafe in Reykjavik and maybe I'll just sit like in the car seriously with a computer and I've done that before, just to get gotten like a coffee and croissant or pan au chocolat into the car, had my computer with me and just like typed away while he's sleeping. He probably he probably went to sleep. I was I probably lulled him to sleep with my voice. So this works out perfectly because, you know, I have three kids and me and my partner and we're always shuffling them around. So, like, for instance, today, uh, my partner took my oldest to school. I took the middle one to kindergarten. And then I have the youngest one with me. When I have my meeting at the radio, he's going to pick up the youngest one, go pick up the other two, give them a haircut, and I won't be home until, I think, like, supper time. Um, 
but I've already cooked supper, so it's fine. We're eating leftovers from yesterday. It was spaghetti, and there was enough leftovers. So we just need to add sauce, reheat, and everybody is happy. Uh, yeah, and the second interview I'm doing is um, a Norwegian book written by two Norwegian doctor students who are probably, you know, doctors by now. Um, I don't remember the names because I'm driving. I don't have a book in front of me. But um, in Norwegian, it's Glenn Meskin. And in Icelandic, it's Gleden Adnedan, which means, um, like, um, the happiness down below. And I think in English, it was the thunder down under or something like that. The, the, yeah, it was, no, probably not the thunder down under. Uh the wonder, the wonder down under. Yes, thank you. The wonder down under, um, and this has been hugely successful. This book, it's about the vulva, um, but what I actually was missing from it was a bit about trans men and their vulvas. Like there was some stuff about gender. There was some stuff about uh, there was stuff about gender. There was stuff about intersex. Uh, there was a little bit about trans, but nothing about like the health of a trans person's vulva or like vulva after um, I could see like there was a lot about STIs and stuff like that. But there was nothing like in particular about like testosterone's effect on the vulva or something like that. So um, so I, I'm not sure that trans men are accurately uh, represented in this book. But anyway, I'm going to speak to the radio about this book and what it means and why it's important and it has I mean it has a lot of fun little examples and it has cute pictures and it, I mean this is basically a book that's you know out of my own heart or this is something that I totally would um, write and it's in a style that I really like so I, I I'm looking forward to that interview as well although it's on a totally different subject but mind you I don't know if I said this here, but I said this at the lecture, which was streamed on Facebook. You can find it on my Facebook page, um, Sex in Iceland. Um, uh, I did say that I was writing this novel for teens about this teen girl. What is this? About this teen girl who is discovering her vulva. And you have a whole chapter dedicated solely to her um, her orgasm or her, her her first orgasm and her first masturbation and it goes really in depth like what do my fingers smell like like what does my vulva smell like what should it smell like what should I use should I use skir which is a famous Icelandic semi-yogurt um, and I've never before seen like a teen novel or young adult novel really give space like proper, proper space to masturbation and to all these thoughts that might go through your head and what you're wondering, what it feels like down there and stuff like that. So um, so I think it actually ties well together, this Volvo book uh, coming out in Iceland and then my book coming out just before Christmas. But I think I will leave you guys here for a bit. Oh, and thank you for fan mail. I love fan mail. I'm so happy I'm inspiring people. That's like amazing. And I am always amazed to see what countries listeners come from. Um, so thank you for sending me an email. Uh, thank you for listening. And oh my God, that's inspiring. That's like above and beyond in my mind. So I'll be here if you 